0: Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Thursday, March 11, 2021. Stand up for your country. A lot to tell you about today. Things you will not hear anywhere else, which is our hallmark here at the No Spin News. So let's begin with a year ago today. A year ago today. Remember that? March 11, 2020. The World Health Organization declared a worldwide pandemic because of COVID. And a number of things happened in rapid succession today, a year ago. Number one, the stock market went down 700 points. All right. Number two, the National Basketball Association canceled games. Number three, Tom Hanks and his wife announced they had COVID in Australia. And everybody was going like this. Whoa, what is going on? Now, I had warned you if you were with us back on January 23rd. 2020, that this COVID thing coming out of Wuhan, China, was going to be bad. And I was the first broadcast journalism guy to do it, I believe. I could be wrong in that, but we haven't seen any earlier than that. But I have to say, I wasn't panicked. I didn't didn't see the terrible uh, toll that COVID has taken. I didn't see that. I thought it would be, you know, three or four months and then it would kind of subside like most uh, pandemics do. So anyway, today is the anniversary and tonight Joe Biden will speak about where we're going from here. Okay, okay. about 15 minutes, we'll get to that in a moment. But I wanna play you um, then President Trump's soundbite on the COVID situation, go. I am confident that by counting and continuing to take these tough measures, We will significantly reduce the threat to our citizens, and we will ultimately and expeditiously defeat this virus. We are at a critical time in the fight against the virus. We made a life-saving move with early action on China. Now we must take the same action with Europe. We will not delay. I will never hesitate to take any necessary steps to protect the lives, health, and safety of the American people. I will always put the well-being of America first. Okay, so President Trump took three actions. He stopped flights from China in January. Then today, a year ago, he stopped flights from Europe coming here. And they automatically, I shouldn't say automatically, they went into the vaccine mode. All right. So U.S. scientists went into the vaccine mode very early. And that's why we were able to get it at the end of November 2020, which was a miracle, I think. Um, And of course, the press didn't give uh, President Trump any credit at all for that. Now, um, yesterday, a year ago, May, uh, March 10th, 2020, Joe Biden said this. People just wonder what's going on. Or He's down there golfing today. I mean, there's no sense of urgency. The American people, I think, want to know that, that, that their president is on top of this, understands it, and that he's being guided by science. Okay, guided by science, obviously a theme of Joe Biden's uh, ever since he announced his run for the presidency. Guided by science. So who was the top science guy? In the trump administration well that would have been dr anthony fauci all right and here's what the doctor said on march 8 2020
1: go right now people should not be walking. there's no reason to be walking around with a mask when you're in the middle of an outbreak wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better and it might even block a, a droplet but it's not providing the perfect protection that people
0: think that it is all right there's the science a year ago all right there's the science so president trump he didn't go on the mask wearing tangent until months later and so after hearing the scientist dr anthony fauci say what he just said a lot of americans said am i going to wear that mask that was a mistake in hindsight so the mask is a barrier, both to get it and to spread it. It's a barrier. It's not foolproof. People still get it by wearing masks if you're in a crew, but it is a barrier. So um, I think I provide a pretty good perspective about a year ago from the top three guys, Trump, Biden, and Fauci. Now, what went wrong? Well, immediately, COVID was politicized by the corrupt corporate media because there was a presidential race underway already. And all of the media, the corporations, with the exception of Fox News and some talk radio, was rooting outwardly and supporting Joe Biden. So whatever Donald Trump did, and he did make mistakes, President Trump made mistakes, but whatever he did was going to be wrong. It's going to be bad. It's going to kill Americans. So immediately the people who supported Donald Trump, all right, they got on the defensive. So instead of everybody in the country uniting together to fight this heinous virus, we cleaved it. And to this day, there are people who don't want to wear masks. They don't believe in social distancing, all of that. And then there are other people Who shut everything down and ruined lives and ruined economies and all of that? The best study is Florida versus California because you have a similar climate. In Florida, there was a two month lockdown under Governor DeSantis. California is still locked down. On the basis of population, all right, California has more cases than than Florida proportionally. All right. Of course, California has more people, but to a proportional, California has more cases. So what good did the total lockdown do? The largest state in the union. When Florida operated pretty much business as usual. All right. Since the pandemic began with two months of lockdown. Simple man, simple question. You make the call. But the media was invested in the total lockdown. Many reasons. Primarily central government power. That's what the progressives believe in. You are told, I am told what to do and when to do it. That's the country they want. Okay. So the result of not being together led to more deaths in this country. If we had all been in it together. And all said, all right, we're going to be ultra-cautious. We're not going to go to motorcycle gatherings in Deadwood, South Dakota. We're not going to go to river parties in South Texas. We're not going to go to spring break in Florida. If we had all done that, the death toll would have been lower. So right now, as it stands, 530,000 Americans are dead. 530,000 worldwide Two million six hundred twenty-two thousand are dead now the worldwide toll is much higher because china is never going to tell you how many people are dead over there and russia is not going to tell you and a lot of the countries just don't report the african countries don't report so i say five million at least worldwide are dead from this pandemic as mentioned, Joe Biden speaks tonight. Now, I will tweet during it, but I'm not expecting much here. Um, it'll be The only interesting thing is whether Biden will give credit to Trump for the fast-track vaccine. That's the only interesting thing to me. I know what Biden's going to say. He's going to read the prompter. He'll read it all right. He's reading it right now. He's rehearsing. Um, so 8 p.m., all the networks will take it. Um... Reuters reported today that uh, Mr. Biden is going to say where we go from here. All right, that's worthy. But then what he should have done is giving the address from the White House press room and taking questions, and I have three. (laughs) I have three questions. None of them are about COVID. Okay, I'll leave the COVID to the science. I'm leaving that. But I have three questions. Very simple questions. Simple man. Simple question. One, Mr. President, who is benefiting exactly, specifically, who is benefiting from your open borders policy? Who? Now, maybe he say, well, the Mexican drug cartels are benefiting because they are charging people thousands of dollars to smuggle them in here, particularly children. So are the 13,000 migrant children now under the supervision of the U.S. government, are they benefiting by the open borders policy? Now, there isn't a chance in hell that Joe Biden could answer that question. The only answer could be, well, the poor suffering people who want a shot at the American dream, they're benefiting. If you'd be that honest... Okay, because in the long run, they'll benefit. Short run, no. Long run, if they get to stay here, they will. But is the rest of America benefiting from this? No. Mexico benefiting from it? Mexico's criticizing Biden. Because they've got to deal with the tens of thousands, soon to be hundreds of thousands, of people coming to the open border. Second question. Why are gas and home heating oil prices rising so quickly? In the Bay Area, in California, they're now over $4 a gallon for gas. All right. So why? Why? Since you took office 51 days ago, gas prices are up 30 to 50 percent everywhere. Why? And does that hurt the American worker? And finally, why are you not holding any press conferences? Fifty one days. Is there a reason schedule is not packed. We went over this yesterday on Tuesday. Mr. Biden had one thing on the calendar, a visit to a hardware store in D.C. to chat about how COVID's affected the hardware store. That's it. Yesterday, one thing meeting with the CEOs of Johnson and Johnson, another drug company and talk about COVID vaccine. Now, does. President Biden sit behind a resolute desk and get briefed. Yeah, he gets briefed, but that's not an event. I mean, you know, he's what are you doing? Why can't you answer some questions? Just kind of wander on over. Friendly, they're friendly to you in the press corps. That mean, like they were to Trump. Nah, not mean. Why can't you do it? So those are the three questions from O'Reilly and. Uh, No, I would never get a chance to answer them, uh, to ask them. And he would never answer them anyway. So 81,269,000, 81,269,000 Americans voted for Joe Biden. What do they think now? So I'm torturing uh, my liberal friends who voted for Biden (laughs) in a funny way, not in a mean way. But I'm asking them, is it open board? Is that good? Good for you and your family? So I torture them. I'm so obnoxious. It's ridiculous. But it's a serious question. How many of the 81 million you think are happy about the State of the Union 51 days into the Biden administration? So Rasmussen does a daily tracking poll on job approval. Right now, 50% of Americans approve Joe Biden's job performance, 47% disapproved. That's a low number for Mr. Biden. You usually get a honeymoon period here. Those so it's 50-50. It's within the margin of error. Okay. But the ones who did, and I have gotten a few answers, by the way, from my acquaintances and friends who voted for Biden. And it's, well, he's better than Trump. No matter how, how bad Biden is, it's better than him. That's it. That's the rationalization. So very few people are going, yeah, I made a mistake. I haven't heard that once. Yeah, I made a big mistake. Now, six months from now, yeah, it'll be a different story. So the attorney general of Florida is uh, joining Arizona and Montana and suing the Biden administration. This is largely symbolic, but they'll bring it into federal court uh, because the Biden administration is not enforcing immigration law. And the states of Arizona, Montana, and Florida say it is hurting the citizens of those states because the federal government is not enforcing the stated law. Simple lawsuit. More states will join. And this is to embarrass Joe Biden because obviously they're not. They're not enforcing immigration law. They did not. Now, the end game is to get as many foreign nationals Here, living in the United States, is possible because most of them will vote Democrat. Everybody knows that. I still get mail on that every day. Everybody knows that's the end game. Everybody knows it. If people in Guatemala and Honduras and El Salvador and Nicaragua and Mexico were going to vote Republican, believe me, Nancy Pelosi would be down on the border with a machine gun. Okay? So that's what it's about. Down the road. All right. First amnesty, then voting rights. All right. Everybody up to speed now on immigration and uh, COVID. Now we go to our third segment in this program, George Floyd trial. I fear and I am actually saying prayers for the country on, at Sunday mass. There's Mr. Floyd, the late Mr. Floyd. I fear for what's going to happen. So it is the state of Minnesota. Now, uh, they have a rule today that a third-degree murder charge can be considered by the jury. So far, six jurors have been selected. All right, six. I said that I don't believe this trial should be held in Hennepin County. That's Minneapolis. Should have moved to northern Minnesota. But they don't want to do that because... More conservative people live in northern Minnesota. That's why they want to do it. All right, move it to southern Minnesota, but get it out of the Twin City area. That would have been the right thing to do. They didn't do it. So third-degree murder, if you are convicted of that in Minnesota, you usually get 12 years in prison. So the prosecution understands and not going to get a second-degree murder conviction. They're not, that would be 20 years. The reason is the fentanyl. So Mr. Floyd, before his confrontation with police officers, took fentanyl, which is a very deadly narcotic. The coroner, the autopsy, showed Mr. Floyd had enough fentanyl in his system To kill him. And the cause of death was a number of things, but the primary one was the opiates in Mr. Floyd's system. So that knocks out that the defendant, the police officer Chauvin, Derek Chauvin, that knocks out that he intentionally tried to kill or did kill George Floyd. Fentanyl. Now, in the report, it does say clearly that the police interaction did exacerbate the fentanyl and was a partial cause of Floyd's death. That's why the third degree murder is in there. Now, what I think is going to happen is speculation, but it's educated speculation, is that videotape is so powerful, seven minutes and 45 seconds, the police officer Chauvin had his knee on Floyd's neck, despite the fact that Floyd was pleading for his life. The jury cannot overlook that, because if it were me or any other police officer, they probably would have not knelt on Floyd's neck for that long. Floyd was cuffed. He was cuffed, not a flight risk. So if I'm on that jury and I see that tape, Chauvin has got to be held accountable for that. Now, I know some of you disagree, and that's perfectly all right. I'm not saying it's the right verdict. I'm saying that's what I think is going to happen. Because of human nature. However, third degree, third degree is in play. And that's what the prosecution wants. That's what the prosecution wants. Now, the defense is going to go, well, this was an accepted practice in the police manual for Minneapolis cops. Okay. But when you're a police officer and you have power, all right, you have to use good judgment. All right. So that's where we are. But there is another wrinkle that's not being reported very much, of course, by the corrupt American corporate media. So the nuts are in Minneapolis already. The anarchists are there. Black Lives Matter is there. And they're doing or trying to do what they did in Seattle, establish an anti-police autonomous zone. Now, this is based on reporting by News Nation. Very good report. Okay? Not any of the big networks or the cable networks reported this. News Nation did. And the report says that these extremist leftists are telling the Minneapolis police, you can't come in certain areas of the city. We're an autonomous zone. Okay. So, what's going to happen? I don't know. I know the National Guard has already been summoned, and they'll knock this out. But Minneapolis police, I don't have any confidence they could do it. There's less than 700 of them. Because remember, the Minneapolis City Council defunded the police, even after the anarchists and the progressives burned down a large part of the town. Even after they did that. Crazy. So I don't expect this to get to the level of Seattle because of the National Guard, but they're trying. All right. On to other crime uh, stories. In the demonstration last summer, okay, in May, late May, um, two individuals threw Molotov cocktails at a unmanned police car. All right. The actual tosser of it is a woman, Urainj Rahman, 31 years old, Pakistani immigrant. She's an attorney. All right. She's arrested. She threw the Molotov cocktail. Another guy, Colin Ford Mattis, 32, also lives in Brooklyn. He was arrested for driving the getaway car, which had a bunch of Molotov cocktails in it. So this is a federal beef. right. This is these are federal charges, not city. So there was bail. These two are out on bail. The bail was two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now, a deal has been offered by the Southern District of New York, the U.S. attorney there. I can't find out what the deal is. The guy's telling me to get stuffed. He's not friendly to this news operation. I'm not surprised. This is the Biden Justice Department. Okay? But a deal was offered on February 11th. We know that. Still, a month later, these two have not accepted the deal because it involves, I understand, prison time. And they're trying to get them off without prison time, which would be abomination if that ever happened. I think it should go to trial. In federal court, because if it goes to trial, I think these two are going to go away for five years. But I'm on it. I don't care whether the eastern, the uh, federal U.S. attorney cooperates or not. I'll find out what's going on. Okay. Rick Moranis. Uh, Rick is, uh, I wouldn't say a friend of mine, but we know each other. So he gets punched in the mouth on October 1st, 2020, just walking down the street in New York City. You saw the tape, run it again for you. He punches Moranis down. Moranis gets to go to the hospital. So they arrest the guy a month and a half later. All right. And um, they charge him. And the guy is now in Rikers. He's not out on bail. His name is Marquis Ventura. Put his mugshot up. There he is, 36 years old. He's got all kinds of convictions. He's charged with seven assaults. Homeless guy. So they got him in Rikers because they want to give him a psychiatric evaluation, but he won't cooperate. And he won't cooperate with his lawyer, a public defender. So Ventura, obviously disturbed, basically is saying, I'm not going to cooperate with anybody. So what do you do? Now, the New York City authorities, they don't want to keep anybody in jail. They don't keep anyone. But they can't put him out because he'll go out and he'll attack somebody else. So they got him in Rikers, but I figured I'd update you on the case. What do you do with these people? Violent, emotionally disturbed people. You got to put them in facilities with bars.
1: For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free on hollywoodtakeover.com bill. That's hollywoodtakeover.com B-I-L-L. That's what you have to do
0: to protect everybody else. Lady Gaga update. I told you uh, when the story broke, there's something more to this. And now TMZ, not exactly reliable, but they get some information. They say that the people who stole Lady Gaga's two dogs and shot the dog walker in the chest, did it because they wanted to be initiated into a gang. TMZ. Uh, to me, that doesn't, that doesn't stack, but I could be wrong. I don't know. All right. The dog walker, Ryan Fisher, 39, still in the hospital. Shot in the chest. All right, the dogs were returned, as you may know, by a woman who says she found the dogs on a pole in a park about a mile away from Lady Gaga's house in Hollywood Hills. Again, that doesn't ring true to me at all. If these were gangbangers, I don't care about the dogs. I gotta lash them to a pole and throw them out the window. Is this stacked to you? Anyway. Lady Gaga promised a $500,000 reward, has not been paid yet, because the police are checking out the woman, as they should. Who are you? How did you know these dogs were there? You know, all of this. So there's your update. There's more here than meets the eye. So we had Andy Ngo on this broadcast on February 10th. He is the author of the book Unmasked, uh, which goes into Antifa. I read the book. It's an excellent book. Very well reported. All right. It's not ideological. It tells you all about Antifa. Noah was attacked by them. So, yeah, he's got a beef. But he footnotes everything, everything he reports. I couldn't find out in years, So I recommended a book. The book is a bestseller. The Powell's Bookstore in Portland, one of the most famous independent bookstores in the country. I know it very well. A not Carry Andy Noah's book. Now, yeah, they're liberal people there, but that's not why. They're afraid Antifa and Portland gonna burn that store down. That's why they're not carrying the book. Because Antifa is still very active in Portland and is out there a few times a week destroying stuff. So they should be ashamed, Powell's bookstore. Higher security. Higher security. With guns. But you don't ban Andy Noah's book. What kind of people are you giving in to these fascists? What would you have done in Berlin in 1935? Powell's bookstore? Would you have been throwing those books out on the street and burning them, would you? Because you're afraid of the SA? University of Texas. Some loopy students wanted the song for the University of the Eyes of Texas band. Why? Because somehow one of them said, well, I think Robert E. Lee quoted from the song while he was the president of the College Washington and Lee. I think. Well, they looked into it. They put a 58 page report out and said there's no linkage to anybody with the eyes of Texas. So they're not going to dump the song. Well, good for the University of Texas, Austin. I mean, he's got to fight back you got to fight back. And so they are. So that song is still going to be used at sporting events and school events by UT. And uh, blank you to the fascists who want it out of there. So we applaud, uh, what's the guy's name? I don't know. Jay Hartzell, president of the University of Texas. Way to go, Jay. I wish we had more like him. Because all over the United States, college presidents are folding and are afraid of the loons, like Powell's bookstore. So yesterday we told you the 10 best states in the Union, according to U.S. News and World Report. Now, do I take this seriously? No, I don't. But it's interesting, right? So you got the 10 best. Washington state was the best state. And we explained that Washington state is two different states. Now I got the worst state. Criteria, again, healthcare, education, economy, infrastructure, opportunity, fiscal stability, crime and corrections, natural environment. So according to U.S. News, Louisiana is the worst state in the country. I love Louisiana. I, I can't get enough of that Cajun culture, the bayous, New Orleans, tremendous town. But there's a lot of poverty in the state. And the health facilities in the state is not great. And the education system, the university system's okay. Secondary education, I, I mean, I don't live there, but I've been there many, many times. But I, I love Louisiana. Mississippi is second worst. Again, same thing, a lot of poverty. Infrastructure, not the, not the greatest. Then New Mexico, a lot of new people, immigrants, a lot of poverty in the southern part of the state. All the money's in the northern part, Santa Fe, Taos, beautiful up there. Uh, Southern part of state's problematic. West Virginia, poor state, no doubt. Alabama, same thing with Mississippi and Louisiana, a lot of poverty. All right. So the social services aren't what they should be. When you have poor counties, the property taxes that fund the schools are low. And that's how this comes about. All right. Next five, Alaska. I don't know what the beef is with Alaska. You can make a ton of money if you're willing to work hard up there. Arkansas, good place to go if you want to buy property. Beautiful state, particularly the northern part of it, northwest part. Oklahoma, big opportunity in Oak City and Tulsa. Make a nice living. Housing costs are low. South Carolina, I can't believe it. One of the nicest cities in the country is Charleston. The low country is great. Good beaches. Nice quality of life. And then Kentucky. All right. Kentucky, I, I mean, when I go to Kentucky... Appalachia and all that, the eastern part, yeah, it's devastated. So I guess that's what's bringing Kentucky down. All right, this week in history now, here's a very interesting story. So a year ago, COVID pandemic was announced. This week, 103 years ago, the Spanish flu hit the USA. It was, first case was a soldier at Fort Riley, Kansas hospitalized, then 100 soldiers, then 1,000 soldiers. And the disease just flew for two years all across the United States. Okay? President Woodrow Wilson got the Spanish flu. He Got it in France when he was over there for a conference. 50 million people worldwide died. 50 million. Okay? That's what I think the COVID toll is. I said you're at the top of the show, about 50 million. In the United States, 675,000 people died, 675. Right now, we're at 530, 530,000 with COVID. And one of the people who died in the USA was Donald Trump's grandfather. And this is so strange. If you read the United States of Trump, I go spend some time on his grandfather, who came to the United States from Germany and established himself and made the money that led to the Trump organization and ultimately to Donald Trump becoming president. So Donald Trump's grandfather, Friedrich Trump, died from Spanish flu in a day. Killed him in a day. So he was living in Queens with his three children, Fred. That's Donald Trump's father, Elizabeth and John. All right. Donald uh, Frederick Trump was 12. When Friedrich died from the Spanish flu. President Trump has never mentioned that, never mentioned his grandfather went down in the Spanish flu. Anyway, 103 years ago today, the Spanish flu started in the USA. All right, quick break. we got a good mail segment and then a a final thought that I think will amuse you. Right back.
2: Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org.
0: All right, let's do some mail. Jim Young, Castle Rock, Washington. I've always believed Joe Biden was nothing more than an opportunist. However, your reasoned description, and analysis of his behavior, Bill, has turned me around. You've convinced me that he's probably incompetent. We might be in big trouble here. We might. Absolutely. Peggy Hensley, Lexington, Kentucky. Do you know why the white farmers were excluded in the COVID-19 relief bill because of equity? So the first day in office, President Biden said we are going to have in the federal government a policy of equity. And just briefly, equity is when you favor one group over another, one ethnicity over another. And that's why black farmers Got direct aid in the COVID bill, and white farmers and Asian farmers and Hispanic farmers did not. Jerry Axton, Buckeye, Arizona. If Canadians sneak across the border and claim asylum, will their hearings go up to five years? Yeah. Asylum hearings are asylum hearings, doesn't matter where they come from. Now, originally, asylum was put into place to save people from Cuba, from China, from Russia, from Communism. People were being persecuted and come here. Vietnam. How many people from Vietnam, South Vietnam got asylum here? Thousands and thousands of people. OK, but now it's not being used for political reasons. Lena. Tiger Lily is a symbol of diversity, not racism. Disney can't have it both days. Sure it can. Sure it can. Tiger Lily is Peter Pan's helper. She is a Native American in the cartoon. I love Tiger Lily. I think she's a strong female presence, right? But Disney wants a virtue signal. So they're saying, well, Tiger Lily is a stereotype of Native American. Why? Because she has a flower or, or a feather in her, in her hair? It's crazy. But Disney not taking Peter Pan off the market. They're charging you 10 bucks to watch it. So they can't have it both ways. They virtue signal. We're not going to let anybody under seven buy Peter Pan. Hey, nobody under seven has the money to buy it. You pinheads. And they know that, but the adults still can buy it. Ah, oh, George Mingledorf, Montgomery, Alabama. Great newsman news as usual, Bill. I never seem to hear anything about the entitlement culture. Has it become such a part of our American life? that we don't even notice it look i did the entitlement culture uh, based upon uh the megan markle interview she's an entitled woman and then my own urchins who are much more entitled than i was when i was an urchin but it's there and it's growing entitlement means life owes you something dorothy lawrence Champaign, illinois wasn't it Art Linkletter who wrote a book, Kids Say the Darnest Things? He would have liked your kid's comment, O'Reilly, that you feed him like a prisoner in a penitentiary. I, I, I got a million of them here. So Art would love this house. But yes, you're correct. It was Art Linkletter, Kids Say the Darnest Things. Art made a bloody fortune interviewing kids. Pat uh, Krummenacker, Lauderdale-by-the-Sea, Florida. Nice town. Bill, thanks for mentioning on your program that you watch Blue Bloods. I tried it and I love it. Blue Bloods, the scripting. The scripts, the best, on TV. So, CBS Friday night. I don't think it's going to be on tomorrow because they're going to rerun Meghan Markle and Oprah and Prince Harry. Was Prince Harry even there? <laughs> it's Prince Harry. Uh, Patricia. Bill, I am a mom and a grandmother, and I'm very interested in reading your new book, Killing the Mob. I can't wait. As a matter of fact, I've read most of your killing books and learned more about history in the last few years than I did all the time I was in school. Patricia, I appreciate it. You'll love Killing a Mob. If you pre order it on BillO'Reilly.com, we will take 50% off Killing Crazy Horse, which just passed a half million in sales. Thank you all very much. Killing Crazy Horse, big, big hit. And Killing Mob, I think, is going to sell more than Crazy Horse because the topic. Is is a little more current. But where do you see killing them off? Whoa. Um stand up for your country gear. We have uh the best mug in the world made in America. I love this mug. In fact, I may sleep with that mug. <laughs> so much I love it. And then we have the uh, bumper stickers, stand up for America by popular demand, they're back. We have the floor mats, one outside my front door. Stand up for America. We have hats and everything. Stand up for your country. Stand up for your country. All right, here's a new word of the day. You ready for the new word of the day? Do not be schelestious. Schelestious when writing to us. S-C-E-L-E-S-T. Skalest E S. I-O-U-S. Great word not be Scalespias. I've got a final thought in a moment. All right, here's a final thought. I got a letter um, from Joan Libra, Gillespie, Illinois. It's Bill, you are, Bill, you said no one could replace Edward R. Murrow. I disagree. You are the only journalist for these times. Well, I appreciate that very much, Joan. Very kind of you to say that. But Murrow, he was uh, so courageous and he was a trailblazer. And he took on the cancel culture in the 1950s, where McCarthy and other people, Senator McCarthy was saying, everybody's a communist. Not only do you have to fire them, they can never work again, uh, all of that. Same thing happening now. But Murrow did it by himself. He got on TV and he just said, this is not what we are. And then Murrow did other things like the Harvest of Shame documentary that showed how laborers uh, in the fields were being just brutalized. Well, Murrow is way beyond me, but I appreciate you putting me in that category. Murrow and Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace is different than Murrow, but Mike Wallace is he, he's not going to give you any BS. All right. So I took my interview uh, cues from Wallace, my journalism cues from Murrow. But um, we ran that sound clip yesterday. If you didn't see the no no spin news yesterday, March 10th, Wednesday, that's worth watching. If you missed it, that's worth watching. And we have them all. So your premium concierge, members, you can just go into BillOReilly.com. You punch them right up. You watch whatever you want. But we did use that Murrow clip yesterday. All right. Uh, I think we've had a very good four programs this week. So if you missed any of them, please go this weekend and check them out. A lot of great information. We thank you very much for watching and listening, and we'll see you again soon.